a black man with a white woman at the top floor, they gon' come to your King Kong. Middle America packed in. Can't they see me in my black skin? Number one question they asking. Fuck every question you asking. Welcome to episode 282 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. You know, I feel like that's George Gomez sitting in his office watching the Beatles pinball sales roll in. And he's like, fuck every question you're asking. You know, look, I want to clarify my stance on the Beatles because I don't have a problem with Stern making the Beatles. I don't. I really don't. I don't. I think the pinball world has needed a very simple game for a long time that people can walk up to and play. And I think the Beatles does that. And I think if you think the Beatles aren't popular, I think you need to have your head checked. Now, the issue I've always had with this Beatles pinball machine is are you getting your money's worth? And that is the way I've been looking at the Beatles game. And I think you could argue that for $8,000, it's questionable, right? I mean, we know the license was expensive to acquire, and this is why there hasn't been a Beatles machine in a really, really long time. Um, But we're going to find out on this episode uh, if playing the Beatles pinball machine seems to be worth $8,000. And later on in the show, I'm going to interview uh, Sean McDermott, who is an operator who's down at the IAPA show in Florida, who actually had a chance to play the Beatles machine today. And we're going to get his views on the Beatles pinball machine. All right. So that's coming up later on in the show. All right. But the main thing I've been looking at is just whether or not you think the $12,000 or the $25,000 diamond edition of this game uh, makes any logical sense whatsoever. And I think it doesn't. But again, but again, they're not targeting me with this game. Um, But I think here's what just makes me laugh is I look at the game, like look at the diamond edition of Beatles and tell me one thing for $25,000. Should this game not have armor that actually has like lollipop rails on it or laser etched rails on the game? Should this game not have a shaker motor? Should this game not have a topper? I don't even know if the game comes with Stern's anti-reflective glass. I mean, the whole thing to me, it's the same game as the $8,000 game. All right, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're now hearing on uh, Penn's side that it's sold out that all of the allotment of the Beatles has been spoken for by distributors across the world. And, and, and so I don't know if that's both allotments because we know that they're going to make half of the 1964 games and then they're going to hit pause. You know why they're going to hit pause? It's then they're going to start making a little game called the Munsters in December. So we're going to see the Munsters in mid-December, and then they're probably going to turn back on more Beatles at a later date. So what I can't figure out is this, though, right? And we've all been sharing our opinions about uh, this game and whether we think it's worth it or not, or whether or not it's attractive to us. But I really don't understand the people that are really mad at Stern for doing this. Okay, that's what I don't get. I, I've been reading a lot on Pinside, and people seem to be like rooting for Stern to fail here, uh, because there seems to be this like overarching desire to see Stern fail, almost as if people want Stern to learn a lesson. 
And I'm here to tell you right now, Stern is never going to learn a lesson because people complain on pin side. Stern is never going to learn a lesson because you think that they didn't put enough in the machine and that you're going to show them uh, that you mean business and you're not going to buy their next game because of that. Let me just break it down for all of you real simple. Stern makes 75 pinball machines a game. They put them in boxes and they send them around the world. Every fucking day the line is going. This company is like a monster pumping out pinball into the world and everybody else who tries to do what they do is a fucking joke all right everyone else who tries to deliver consistent pinball machines based on themes you want continually fucks up and so it's hard to tell anyone over at stern that they're really fucking this up or they're doing this wrong or that you Pinside baby, you know how to do it better. You know how to do it better. And you can read the people. It's like they don't want Stern to sell these games. They want Stern to, to somehow like like fail here. And look, I don't think they're gonna sell a hundred at twenty-five thousand dollars, right? I, I there's not there are not a hundred people out there that are that stupid. And I don't think Stern cares if they sell those games for 25000 or 8000 The Platinum Editions and the Diamond Editions are pretty much freebies that they're giving to the distributors as a thank you for buying their games. They are basically gifting them these games. You have to look at them like that. Sure, you know... Certain distributors are pricing them at $25,000. And guess what? If they don't sell, they'll sell it to you for 20. If they don't sell for 20, they'll sell it to you for 15. And we all know a year from now, when the Beatles hype has completely died down and we're all on to the next Stern game every three to four months, um, you'll be able to get these games at a good deal. And you know what? At least they're out in the world, okay? That's my whole take on it, is if you just wait, these these crazy quoted prices, you guys are all suckers, okay? And I'm going to say this. The reason why I think the Pinside Babies are suckers, you all are getting hoodwinked by Stern's marketing department, all right? I complained about their responsibility of making the most expensive game of all time, but do you guys realize the whole point? The whole point of them making a diamond and a platinum edition that doesn't really have anything special in it, but charging those crazy prices, you know the reason why they're doing this? They might think they're smarter than Canada, but they're not. The reason why they're doing it is to make the gold edition by which they will make the majority of these games look like a fucking deal. It all of a sudden makes people say, well, yeah, that's stupid. Those guys are suckers, but I'll go in on a gold because it's the same game. Let me tell you something. I bet Stern is making bank on the gold edition of this machine. Bank. And they're going to laugh all the way to the bank because the platinums and the diamonds are just distractions that are stupid and they know they're stupid and they know there's no real value in them at all. All they're designed to do is make you feel like you're getting a bargain, 
a bargain on the gold, even though you're not, right? You ever go buy like a like carpet, like a rug? You ever go buy a rug? It's always like, this rug was originally $40,000. Now it's $5,000. You're like, oh yeah, take my money. That is what the diamond edition is meant to do. It's meant to get you to buy the gold. And they will sell every single gold edition they make. And they won't give a shit that there's a few people complaining about the other editions. And there will forever forever for years to come people who have diamond editions will never reveal what they paid because that's just the way it is on this game all right let's move on i think the crying will continue but every gold will sell don't get me wrong all right what is happening else in the pinball world before i air the the impressions from sean um look uh, here's here's something that is that sucks and and when you go to the jersey jack pinball Pirates of the Caribbean, we've waited a year for this game. When you go into the owner's thread of Pirates of the Caribbean, it feels more like a troubleshooting thread than an owner's thread. And if I was an owner of Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition, which is about to go on the line, I'd be really nervous that they're not going to figure all this stuff out before you get your game. And, and it sucks because, you know... Jack is trying to do so much with pinball, but the quality control, once again, is coming back to bite Jack. And what Jack doesn't realize is you have to get this shit tighter or people will just not go in on your game and they'll just wait. You know, they will just wait and they will experience the product that took you years to make but they'll just wait and get it secondhand until all the issues are ironed out. Now, the problem when that happens is that Jack won't see a fucking dime of that money. And let me give you an example of what I mean by that. The Hobbit, all of a sudden now, is getting praised as being a great game. All right? Now, who in their right mind would go buy a fucking Black Arrow edition of The Hobbit for $8,400 when I can go get a Smaug limited edition gold with Radcal's playfield protector, everything I'd want in a game for around $6,000, all right? That's crazy. And The Hobbit deals are to be have everywhere. And one of the reasons why you can go get The Hobbit so cheap now is it's been out forever. Um, people who have had it for so long are now tired of it. And even though the code is finally good, nobody feels like this game is bolted to my floor and I'm not going to get rid of it. And in fact, a lot of people are probably just trying to sell it to get the newer Jersey Jack game, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, or they want to get a dialed in, or they want to get a Monsters, or you know what I'm saying? It's like the game's window. Uh, they they just couldn't get it right. And for some reason, you know, whether it's the quality control issues, whether it's the lack of code, whatever it is, it always seems like, you know, by the time you really want to own a Jersey Jack game, you can get it, but none of that money will go to helping Jack and his cause and keeping that company profitable. Where Stern has the exact opposite approach, which is so much more effective for Stern, which is they will sell out of their game before you even see it. Like Stern will sell 
I mean, I, I shit you not. They will probably sell something like 1,000 to 1,200 monsters in one week. Right? One week, they will probably get at least that many orders. They will sell out of the LEs, and they will sell a ton of premiums, and they will sell a ton of pros in one week. And Jack will spend a few years trying to sell that many dialed-ins. All right? And look, look, look. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. It's crazy. It's crazy. He needs marketing help. He needs it badly. He needs to reevaluate all this stuff. I, I just don't see Pirates of the Caribbean demand coming back when people are opening their games and having a ton of issues. In fact, I'm going to have one of the Pirates of the Caribbean owners on the show to talk about what it's like to open up your game, new in box, and you have to remove the upper play field. You have broken wires. You have switch issues. You there's ejecting ball issues. You know, there's all these different things. I saw someone that has like a decal issue. You know, it's look, and I get it's pinball. And I get that pinball needs to be tweaked. But, but, I there haven't even been that many Pirates of the Caribbean that have been sent out yet. And look at the issues. And Stern sends so many more games out. And look how few issues they have. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit with um, with Sean, but basically, like you have to give Stern credit. They looked at all the things that create headaches for owners, and they tried as hard as they could to minimize the kinds of things that would create constant failure. Uh, because no matter how much is in your game, there's nothing more frustrating than asking someone to open up their new inbox game and have to fix stuff that requires a high level of skill to get working again. And, you know, I even heard stuff like the way the wires are bundled underneath the game in Pirates of the Caribbean is a little bit of a nightmare to even take apart the upper play field. Like you have to cut all these zip ties because they didn't think, uh, you know, how should we bundle the wires to make it easier for customers to have to service this thing? And so, look, I mean, I, I just think, like, it's it's a shame. It really is a shame. I, I don't think you can send consumers games that require too much tweaking. All right. Speaking of sending consumers games, um, Chicago Gaming Company, the rumors of them being sold out have been um, somewhat confirmed by Chicago Gaming Company. I mean, basically what they said is they're, they're pretty much done with their allotment of 12,500 games uh, in terms of distributors claiming games. Now, that's sell-through. That doesn't mean sold out. That means that um, distributors placed orders, and some of those distributors have sold out of their allotment, but it doesn't sound like there's a lot more games that are going to be available uh, to distributors. Now, I also think a lot of distributors are going to stock up on this title because it's so popular. So I wouldn't worry that you need to buy one like this week or you're going to get shut out. I, I do think that there is often a, a common fallacy. And this is spread by distributors and it's a great tactic to call up people and say, get them while they last. You got, you know, I'm all, I'm all, I've, I've, the, the phrase I always hear is, I've got two left. I got two left. You want one? I usually keep one for myself. I'll let you have the last one. Bullshit. They're going to, you know, I do think these games are going to sell. 
Uh, but I also think they're going to be available for, for maybe a few months. And I think people are going to wait to see about Munsters too. Speaking of updates, uh, this is a, a crazy turn of events, but Iceman has just texted me that he has purchased a Beatles Gold Edition. And he said it looks cool. Now, if that's not proof enough that they're going to sell every single gold, I don't know what what was. You know, he was he was start he started the thread that said how bad is it selling. He was the one of the biggest uh, detractors from Stern making this game, and guess what happened? He just bought one. You know, I mean that's it. That's all pinball is. You make something, you make it beautiful, you make it available, and you make the theme something people like, and they're going to buy your product. You know, that's really all this whole hobby boils down to um, I heard that there is going to be some uh, geometry issues addressed with Oktoberfest Joe Balser said that he thinks that some of the shots uh, could be made a little different that some of them might be a little too hard and some of them just might not make sense uh, you might be hitting some, you know, some of the things too often or whatnot or putting a, you know, a scoop underneath a ramp or whatever it was um, so Oktoberfest has work to be done. And the question I have for the American pinball people is, when is this game going to now ship? Do you really think that Joe Balser can make geometry changes to the game, uh, which would also require probably some artwork changes around that geometry changes? Um, they're probably not major changes. But when it when is this game going to be f like the final version of it? And I think that's a big question I have in my head because, all right, if you think about it now, they need to go back and redo animations. They need to go back and redo the artwork. They need to go back and redo some of the shot geometry. And the distributors are already taking money on the game. I mean, just think about how stupid that is for a minute. When was the last time Stern Pinball, the most successful pinball company in the world, showed you a game and then immediately said, all right, well, we have work to do on the art. All right, well, we have work to do on some of the shots. All right, well, we have work to do on some of the animation. Well, we have work to do exactly, exactly my point. You know, I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting tired of covering these companies who don't fucking listen. They don't fucking do their homework. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be strident. But Joe Balser, Josh Kugler, Nermal, you know, Davel, do your fucking homework, all right? And by that, by that, you know what I mean by that? Imagine if you're in a classroom and five different teams have been given the same assignment. And that assignment is make a good pinball machine. Um, show me what you think a good pinball machine needs to sell. Show me what you think a good pinball machine needs to sell immediately to people. And show me, you know, um, you know what you think your, you know, your marketing approach will be to get people to buy your game immediately. And here's why I, I'm, I'm just getting fed up with these companies. And I don't mean to be this like strident. How fucking hard is it to do your homework when your homework has already been done for you, all right? Stern Pinball is in that classroom with American Pinball. They've already shown American Pinball what you have to do to create the right kind of hype and excitement and, you know, and enthusiasm to make your product succeed and you get one window by which to generate hype and excitement and get people to buy your product. And they needed Oktoberfest to be a fucking hit. 
and they needed people to be like, take my money now after seeing it at Expo. And now they're doing what Stern has never done because they didn't do their fucking homework. They didn't do it. They didn't realize the very simple fact that nobody really wants you to go back and have to rework stuff. As much as Pinside will tell you, oh, show us the game early and listen to feedback and make the game better and that will that will uh you know that will help you get more sales. Okay. Did Chicago Gaming Company do that with Monster Bash Remake LE? Did they show you early what they were working on? Did they No. I mean I get they were making a remake of a game you already knew was great. But did they ever have to do that? Has Stern ever done that with any of its games that, that were hyper successful? Absolutely not. And this is the one thing that keeps you know, messing all these new companies up is they don't do their fucking homework. And the homework would tell you, well, we need great fucking art. We need great art. Who at American Pinball looked at that game and said, you know what, is this as good as like Zombie Yeti? Is this as good as Christopher Franchi? Is this as good as Dirty Donnie? No, it's not. It's not even close. Not even close. Oh, that's one strike against us. Who who sat over that game and looked at the animations and said, are these animations good? Are, they, are these on par with, with where Stern is at with a $5,000 Pro? And if they need to be on par, like who do we need to hire to make that the case? Did they do that between Houdini and Oktoberfest? No, they didn't. All right? Um, what else? The shot geometry. Has Stern ever like, released a game? And then even with bad shot geometry, look at Ghostbusters. Even with shitty, shitty, shitty shot geometry, Stern doesn't allow you. They don't allow you to, to see their weaknesses. By the time you realize a Stern game has weaknesses, what's happened? You've already fucking bought it. They sold out of Ghostbusters LE before they even showed it. And before people realized it was one of the biggest dogs in pinball history, what happened? You already had bought it. You already had money in with your distributors. You already paid your distributors for it. That's genius. And the problem now is this. Now, all this stuff has to be addressed with Oktoberfest. The 3D sculpts don't look right. The artwork on the cabinets. The this, the that, the this, the that. They're never going to get the hype back again. They're never going to get the hype back again. And the amount of work required to get this game to feel like as special as like a Munsters will be or a Beatles or, you know, a Monster Bash remake LE. When are they going to, how are they going to recapture any of that? They're not going to do it. They fucked up. They needed to take this second game a lot more seriously than they did. And I'm sorry, but it's not just about like, you know, them creating like all this like cool stuff in the game because the sum of the parts has to be on par where, where everyone else's homework assignment is. I'm sorry. It, it's not enough to just put a lot of like mechs in a game if the sum of the parts of, of the whole package is just doesn't look good. And the problem with it all is like, I can't underscore enough how important it is to make a game look good now. Everything Stern puts out from now on will be sexy as fuck, okay? Stern's children from now on are all hot. And there's nothing that anyone else can do but also make hot kids. And you need to make your game look sexy as fuck. And I'm sorry, but like there's no excuse in 2018 for anyone to take a compromise on the art. I mean, look how nice Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle looks, right? Would people be like clamoring for that game if it looked like America's Most Haunted? They wouldn't sell like a hundred of them, you know, but we're, 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 
were basically mind-fucked by the artwork. It looks sexy as fuck. I'll give it a shot. You're going to want it to shoot well because it looks so good. But if it doesn't look good, you're not going to want to get in bed with it. And that's the reality of where pinball is in 2018. All right? All right. What else is going on? Canada's Pinball Podcast, episode 282. Um, let me air the interview with Sean McDermott in a second. I want to read some, let's see, should I do some of my user mail? There hasn't been much. I thought I'd get more after the, uh, after the last podcast, but I think you guys are just enjoying it, right? You don't even need to, you don't even need to write in anymore. I've just satiated and scratched every itch you have in the pinball world. Um, but let me read a few things here. Waiting for my Gmail to load. I'm not even going to edit this out. I might even do a Christopher Franchi long moment of silence. Hold on a second. Here we go. All right. I won't make you wait any longer. I'm going to read you an email, and then we're going to do the Sean McDermott interview. Uh, this is from Joseph Laporte. He says, Hi, Chris. I just listened to episode 281 on the Beatles Pinball Diamond Edition. Great podcast, as always. And kudos for going above and beyond and trying to nail down the price. It sounded like you were reading off a prepared script this time, which made your arguments more compelling. Having said that, I can't help but wonder what you expected when you called the dealers. As soon as I heard that the Beatles was being sold to the dealers in lots of 10, it all made sense on their strategy. In my opinion, this isn't about marketing. It's about sound business decision. We tend to romanticize pinball as collectors, but to Stern as a manufacturer, it's about moving inventory of wooden boxes with steel ball moving around in it. Stern paid a lot for the license, so they need to move the inventory fast so they can move on to the other projects and put Beatles behind them. By having the dealers commit to the inventory, they can do that. They also know almost immediately what their ROI is as they move all 1,964 machines to the dealers and get the cash in hand, assumedly in 30 days. Secondly, we all know the dealers struggle in making a profit selling pinball. That's why almost all of the sell other games, wait, that's why almost all sell other games. Stern wants them to put their efforts into selling their products, not someone else's. What better way than to dangle a carrot to make a big profit, but to get the carrot, you have to buy two radishes and seven potatoes. The dealers will hold onto the carrot to see who is willing to pay the most for it while getting the opportunity to sell the potatoes to those who aren't willing to pay enough. Or the dealers have the opportunity to reward one of their best customers and keep that customer rather than losing them to another dealer. It's just business. Um, well, Joseph, first of all, that, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what we were getting out earlier in the show. As, as I think that makes total sense, right? Um, he also goes on to say, I should also mention that I believe it is illegal in the U.S. for companies to set a ceiling or a uh, on dealer prices. I think that's considered price fixing. That's one of the reasons why we see suggested retail prices rather than firm prices. If I'm not mistaken, they can set a basement price, but not a ceiling. You know that many of the dealers had to be seeing what happened with the Supreme machines and those people who made a lot of money flipping them. Meanwhile, they look at their inventory of unsold Stern machines and complain to Stern about why they don't get the opportunity to make some extra money rather than some random non-pinball person with no skin in the game. 
Stern has to protect their relationship with their dealers since um, if they aren't viable, Stern has less outlets to sell machines. Again, it's just business. So Joseph, let me stop you there. I think you're right. And I think what they're probably seeing is what I've done in this hobby is I can go to a distributor and so can you out there and I can say, I would like an Iron Maiden LE. Can I have it? And the dealer says, yes, Chris, you can have it for $9,000 or $8,500, whatever I paid, the dealer, right? Then I immediately turn around without even taking the machine and I then can sell it to someone who missed out on it for $12,000. And he pays me the $12,000. I give the dealer nine and the dealer sends him the game. And that is the basic economics of flipping pinball machines uh, before you even take possession of it. Now, dealers don't like to do that because dealers get in trouble. But I do agree that you know the pinball distributors have been missing out on the ability to do that during hot title releases. Um, but it's also really hard for them to do it in pinball because people complain a lot. You know, in the car industry, I, there's still car dealerships out there with Dodge Demons sitting on the showroom floor for $140,000 just waiting for someone who wants it bad enough. And they don't care because that car gets them in and they sell those, you know, customers other things as they walk into the showroom. Um, so I guess it's a good thing that the pinball distributors are more ethical, but they're also leaving money on the table. So you're right. I think this was an effort to give them something that people couldn't complain about. Um, and in, in essence, making the dealer the flipper. Uh, you know, that's exactly what Stern did here. He then goes on to say, in the end, this strategy makes sense. Stern gets to move inventory quickly to pay for an expensive license. The dealers get to make a bit more cash, at least on the diamond and platinum edition, since they are on the front lines of the industry and know the customers who are willing to pay the most. The bigger dealers get rewarded the most since they have the cash flow to be able to finance the machines. They end up sharing the risk with Stern and they're incented to move as many machines as possible since they have to move the gold additions out of inventory. I think this will become new pinball business model, especially on machines expected to sell out. The question then remains, which ones are expected to sell out? That's the only place in this whole scenario where marketing plays the pivotal role but it's done at the dealer level in a niche market like this. We all know the vast majority of collectors want to flip a machine before they buy it. The early adopters don't care. This is also why pinball isn't successful through outlets like Amazon. The vast majority of buyers need to touch and feel it. This requires successful dealers physically located all over that can stay in business and well attend trade shows. They all need to be around to keep the business viable. Keep up the good work, Chris. I don't always agree with your opinions, but at least you have one and aren't afraid to stand behind it. Um, Joe Plainfield on pin side. Well, Joseph, first of all, thank you. I, I think that was probably one of the most well-articulated, uh, brilliant emails I have ever received. And I do think you hit the nail on the head that I think this is just the beginning of Stern realizing that the people who should be rewarded for helping them sell the high demand games are the distributors 
not the flippers. All right, takes a guy like me out of the equation. So let's say, for example, the Munsters comes out. Are we going to see Stern say there are 500 LEs? The only way you can get an LE is if you buy X amount of premiums and X amount of pros. And the price on the LE is up to you to set. See, what's interesting about this, though, is what they set the price of that LE. Because Stern has a precedence for $9,000 LEs. There is, no, there is nothing that even indicates why a Beatles would be $25,000. But I feel like all the distributors simply could get together and work together to all sell it at the same price. Now, the problem is if one dude quotes me 25 like on my phone call and then that other guy is like, well, I'll take 20. And then some dude tells me he sold it for 12. Um, I think that is going to create a lot of market instability for the LEs. But, but if you really want an LE of a game that is like sold out, um, you know, wouldn't you rather be able to deal with a distributor and, you know, versus like a flipper. But, you know, the devil's advocate in me is you're simply empowering the dealers to become the flippers. And so I would I would argue that nobody likes someone trying to make extra profit on something for without doing any of the work. And ultimately, because this is a niche market, this isn't huge like people who buy cars and other things where there's a lot more people in the marketplace. I think the problem is is if you get too many people overpaying for something that where the value's not there. See, that's the big thing for me. It's like it's, just like, it's hard to just to jump at the hype and pay way over for something when the value's not there. And it's like the guy who bought Iron Maiden off me for $12,000. You know, what does he feel like today when I keep seeing the LEs now selling for 8? Like he paid 4,000 more for a game that he basically could have just waited for and got for $4,000 less. You know, I, you know, I, like, look, I, I'm, I'm, as a salesman, I want to play off the hype. I want to play off people's, like, desires to have to have it now. But as time goes on, uh, you know, and there's so many games coming out pretty frequently, I don't think you can keep asking people to pay a lot more than a game's value is. And by value, I mean like what's actually in the game, all right? But look, I don't even think we've seen the ceiling. If Stern said we're only making 100 JAWS machines, just 100, and we're only going to make 100 JAWS machines, I, I think they could sell everyone for $50,000. I'm, I'm not being crazy here. I'm not being crazy. Only 100 ever. 50 grand. Would you buy it? JAWS. What if it was Back to the Future, right? Anyway. Great email. Going to be interesting to see where Stern goes with this. If, if they're going to learn uh, a new approach to marketing and cut out the flippers and the middlemen and let the distributors get the cheese. All right. All right. Let me hear the interview with Sean. I think you'll enjoy it. And then everyone um, will be back real soon with more episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast, Sean McDermott, who's an operator. Um, of various coin-op machines. And Sean's been on the show before, but the reason I wanted to have him on tonight is, Sean, you are one of the first people in the world 
to play the ever so polarizing Beatles pinball machine, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and it's down there at IAPA in Florida. Now, for for those of you who listen to the show, IAPA, Sean, is what? It's a coin-op convention where they show all the new stuff coming out? Yeah, it's like the International Amusement Parks uh, Expo, essentially. I don't – it's something like that for amusement parks, operators. And it's, it's, a, it's a decent show. Right. It's an awesome show. Okay. So um, I was kind of confused why Beatles was there. I thought it wasn't going to have a coin door. But did it have a I coin door? <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. I was surprised. I thought they weren't going to let us do that, so I didn't even care about it. I feel um, like that coin door adds another couple thousand dollars to the value after all the <laughs> after all the debate. So they had, they had two gold editions of the game there, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, and there, you know, there was you know, people were playing them. There's some excitement about it. It's it looks like your average Stern Pro machine with less stuff. Right. And gold rails. Right. And, and a higher price tag. You know? Right. Well, so what, what was your impression? Like, so you, you've actually seen it with your own eyes. And, and when, mm-hmm. you, when you walk over the, to the machine, just walk us through, like, what it was like seeing it for the first time, what it was like playing it for the first time. Like, you, you, you know a lot about pinball. So what, what were your impressions of the game? Well, it was a very pretty game. You know, it wasn't like the artwork wasn't horrible. Um, I'm not a Beatles fan. I'm just going to get that out of the way. So... It didn't really do anything for me that way, as theme goes. Um, I was impressed by the animations on the game. They were better than you expect from Stern. They weren't, you know, great. They weren't Jersey Jack level, but they were a little bit better, or at least polished enough mm-hmm. compared to like Oktoberfest or something like that. Um, but it's a, it's a simple game. They also they had it set up pretty steep. So I don't know if that played a part. It just it seemed odd playing that style of game with the modern Stern flippers. Um, it just seemed a little off to me. But right. it's it's a it's a simple '80s game, really. You know, so I I wasn't too blown away. I mean, I had more fun playing Deadpool, to be honest. Um, but if you're a Beatles fan, I could see how you would maybe possibly want this. Right. But what? as an operator, I say no. So you say no as an operator. So you don't think this game on location would have strong appeal? Um, it, it may have appeal, but it will never justify the cost. Right. And and we'll, so, by that you mean the gold edition is uh, $8,000 is the is that what, Yeah, level. I wasn't exactly sure. Yeah, That's what I heard from a couple of people. I didn't talk to any Stern reps. I know Zach was there. I think one of the Sharp brothers, and you know Gary Stern was there. He's growing a beard for some reason. I think he's gonna be Santa Claus, um, right. but <laughs> it looked like it. And yeah, but yeah, at eight thousand dollars, I would go buy uh, anything else there. I was impressed by like obviously the Monster Bash, um, the Jersey Jack stuff, of course. Um, right. You know the Stern pros are okay. Definitely want to talk about what else you saw at the show, but just on on Beatles for a few other things. So, oh what, yeah, no, sure. What was the code at? Were you able to determine what the code number was in the game? No, I was not. Um, it it didn't seem like there was any placeholder graphics, except for maybe at the high score table and stuff like that. If you got a high score, that was some placeholder graphics. It had kind of a retro, um, like it looked like um, score reels on the display. You know, mm-hmm. and a lot of like flash around the the animations of text and stuff. Um, I wasn't impressed by the music. It was kind of hard to hear it, so I really can't give a, an honest opinion if the music was decent or not. But it didn't seem like it had any good songs that I would know. You know, right? <laughs> like, um, well, you're not a Beatles fan, so when it's got no. like she's got a ticket to ride, I heard that playing a lot in some of the videos. Yeah. People took. 
And I, I think I saw someone posted that the code was 1.04. So this is probably going to ship to consumers pretty much finished, which I think it, which I think is good, right? It's it's not mm. going to be like one of these games that takes two years before it's complete. No. Um, now, were you able to activate any of the magnets in the game when you played? Was it pretty easy to understand what to do in the game? Yeah, it was fairly easy to understand. I did activate the magnet at the top of the uh, at the arch at the top of the orbit. Um, I don't exactly know how I did it. At, at IAPA, there's so much stuff going on and so much stuff to see. Your mind is just crazy. So um, I, I'm pretty much dumbed down to the level of the average, you know, casual player. So. Right. Um, it, it you know hit the drop targets the thing spins in the middle i was kind of a the magnet kind of holds the ball in the middle and i was kind of afraid it was going to drop it straight down the middle on me a few times um i didn't really like that i think that might be kind of a, a kind of a downside to the game right um, but was there any did you notice any dimples in the play field that's always a big <laughs> thing <laughs> i i would tell you that the quality is the same as stern has always done Right. There's nothing, nothing, anything better. You know, you're not paying for any more quality. Um, you know, it's the same drop target max. It's the same plastic, the same posts, the same flame. Mean, you know, there's nothing, there's no extra coat of clear coat on there or something. So no, not, nothing just... we've never seen before. And what's interesting about this game, so, and I've been asking some people this question. I haven't had an answer, but I'm wondering if you were able to tell. Does this even come with the better glass, like the anti-reflective glass or... <laughs> I know there's no shaker motor. Question: um, We weren't supposed to film there, and I was filming anyway, so I was kind of trying to be secretive about it. Um, but uh, I didn't. The glass looked like standard glass to me. I didn't notice it didn't have any markings on it or stickers that would say it was anything otherwise. I didn't right. notice any flyers for the game either, which was weird. Right. Nah, I may have missed them. But. So it seems that for the money, though, I mean, if you're going to want a Beatles. This $8,000 machine is, is the exact same machine as the $12,000 machine, which is the exact same machine as the $25,000 machine. Is so it 25000 For the I Diamond Edition, that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's what the um, distributors are quoting people at if they want to have one of 100. Now, the more I keep thinking about it, it is kind of crazy because the Diamond doesn't come with anything more in terms of, like, laser no, it edge like armor it or shakers or anything i mean I, I think it's just real back glass apparently now, glass this is one, expensive yeah the gold has like gold rails and then the the more expensive ones have just the black powder coat right it's what it looks like in the pictures i'm not now they've got I like just, platinum's got like a sort of like a silver and then the diamond seems like it has like a sparkly flake silver kind of okay, appearance okay. to it but none of them have like none of them even have like lollipop rails or anything laser etched for no, that no, much they money didn't have anything to protect the button area which no it's all right just now. like it's it's really it's really interesting that they they literally looks like they didn't go the extra mile to like make the additions much different other than the different art packages okay so you're at iapa um how much pinball presence was at the show this year as the total of the show or a total of the amusement portion of the show? Because the show covers roller coasters and everything. So, I mean... Well, no, I mean, a, I mean... Well, yeah, I mean, what, what I'm asking is, what was the pinball presence like? Like, who was there? Jersey Jack, Chicago Gaming? Um, like, Chicago what did you Gaming, see? And that was it. Which... Um, the Valley Dynamo guys had the uh, pitch and bat from Dennis Nordman, the... Um, that the, pitch and bat he did, the zombie God, I feel like I never there. hear about that game. Is it even out? It's been out for a while? Yeah, I think it's it's been out in uh, the my distributors have it. Um, it's it's expensive, you know, 
but I don't. I think just I want to say one more thing on the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess you know the price may be justified if you had a, a like a super high volume location and you wanted a classic game versus trying to keep an old eighties game running all the time. You know that may be justified that way. Um, if you had a and like I'm talking extreme volume location like like a Dave and Buster's or Big FEC where you're you know doing thousand dollars a week on it or something. So I keep hearing through the grapevine that Stern's going to do some sort of marketing launch in New York City, and I, I keep asking myself like, well, where would they bring it that is worthy of any moment? Is the Hard Rock Cafe even still around in Times Square? I don't even think it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I could see them trying to put these things. Maybe Dave and Buster's. Maybe this this feels like a casual enough pin to put inside a Dave and Buster's. But you you follow like the coin op stuff that works well there. I mean, would it, how would this even like do next to a twenty foot tall Pac Man machine? I mean, yeah, the pinball presence. If you want to go overall amusement, I would say it's total of the whole like stuff that i had to choose from it's like 0.01 percent right you know it's like it's it's a small little corner they have a big booth there for for you know for stern but as booths go theirs was pretty small compared to like betson or ice or baytech and stuff like that right. so um you know i saw a lot of things and um pinball is one of those things that we like to have so we have it um but you know when I, when it comes to buying a, a pin i yeah, I don't know if that if that theme it's just the price really that it really gets me. You know, we, we have a lot better themes in the pro range that are a hell of a lot cheaper, and I don't see the point. I, I, I was just um, I don't see. I was just kind of confused why it was even there. I thought it was being targeted towards home collectors and things. I, I last I heard, it didn't have a coin door, so right. I was, I was surprised to even see it there. Right, um, right, and and so it yeah. I mean, I guess the the jury is still out on whether or not operators will be putting. You know, Beatles well, I'm sure location. some will, you know, like yeah, you guys the, in New York. But. The pinball bars that specialize in pinball will do it. I mean, I, I expect to see this thing at like a Sunshine or, or, or yeah, you know, yeah. other very, you know, like Logan's Arcade in Chicago. Like the places that have like tons of pins. I mean, they always get the the latest and greatest. Um, right. But it is, you know, it is an $8,000 collectible, yeah. right? I mean, we, right, we've yeah. heard Stern say this is an instant collectible. And do you really want to route an instant collectible? No, I don't know. No. Unless someone specifically makes us get it. Right, <laughs> you know, <right. laughs> that might be the only thing that, you know, you have some location that says we need to have this game. Or right. We're, we're not going to have the jukebox and stuff. So then, oh, yeah. But. Right. And so was was Pirates of the Caribbean at the show or Monster yeah, Bash? Yeah, I talked to Jack a little bit. Um, I talked to um, uh, the guy from... Uh, Chicago gaming a little bit. Um, the, the Pirates, I mean, Jack's booth was kind of small, to be honest. I don't want to say anything bad too much, but, you know, it was it was a tiny little corner piece compared to Stern. You know, like four games, five games, something like that. So, so how many did Stern have? Like a huge, well, they had their big, like, setup again, like where it's, like, got the big pillar yeah, in the middle. And... I think it's, like, six games under that big billboard they're trying to sell us with their logo on it. And then the two... Beatles, and then they had a little area to, to wheel and deal. Right. Well, if you're an operator, though, I mean, at, at the end of the day, Stern gives you the thing you want, which is a right, $5,000 right. theme everybody knows, game to p get people to pump 
dollars into. I mean, right? Yeah, no. I mean, we had good luck with Guardians. We had a Guardians, um, other than the cabinet work and all that stuff. But, um, but I'm kind of waiting to see what Deep Root's going to do. I, I, you know, I'm kind of waiting to see what some of these other guys will do. Even though I don't like buying from uh, first first company, you know, their first, you know. Uh, offering as you'd say um just because the company may go bust you know we don't do that pre-order thing or nothing as an operator i can't afford to do that sort of thing that's why i don't have any spooky games even though i'm from wisconsin i like i like charlie and i like ben and all those guys but i I just can't afford to have money tied up so um, but they're not going to go bust well, any of those things can go bust, you know. Um, this business is rough. I've been in it a long time. <laughs> I've seen companies come and go, even ones that have been around a long time, like right. Williamson Valley, you know. So, right. Um, so what was Monster Bash remake like? Because I've been hearing nothing but good things about that game from Expo. That was a great game, yeah. I would, that, if, if I was going to spend money on a pin, that was probably the one I was going to get. I would probably get the, you know, the cheaper one because most people don't care. Um, and... Uh, that would be for the price and the amount of stuff you get. I would that one is really impressive, um, you know, for the value for money. Right. Um, so apples to apples, Beatles Gold and Monster Bash Remake LE are both eight thousand. Are you are you right. saying that Sean is just like kind of laughable that they're the same price? Yeah, I would. I don't want to say laughable because I do like Stern and I think they do know what they're doing, um, but. They yeah, as an operator, I just go yeah, right. You know, it's it's laughable. Yeah, I guess. Um, but is that but, is that as an operator you see that? But even as a home collector, or do you think just in general, do you do you see the value being equal, or is it? And I well, hate to put I, words personally, in your mouth. Personally, I, I mean, these pins machines, these pin games were selling. You know, um, at like two thousand five and two thousand six at a thousand bucks, and now they're selling for eight. You know, cl- you know the Bally Williams stuff is five to eight thousand, and I just don't see why it is. I mean, I, I understand people love it and stuff, but as it, it's still an old machine, you know. So, you know, you can't get parts. You know, you can get parts now, but at the time you couldn't. And uh, it's just, um, <clears throat> it's it's been a long day. I'm sorry, I'm kind of losing my train, but um, it the money is just. It's it's a little too high for what it is. I have to. I was. I've been meaning to go on the show before I came. I mean, before I came on the show and do the inflation calculator on what it should be at. And I think five or six thousand is probably the max they should be at. Right. Um, People like have done that's the why math. That that yeah. That the Stern Pro is in line with where Bally Williams games were in the mid nineties, right? So we haven't really right. seen a, a like a, a cash grab there. Now the argument then becomes, look what you got in those machines right no there's a lot more stuff in the monster bash as value for money goes i mean that would be the one that i would buy or the attack from mars even you know i'm just a little shaky on their electronics it's a new it's you know chicago gaming's been around we have some of their stuff that they've built it's just not pin games um but it's it's just still it's their their pinball venture is still kind of new and i'm afraid of getting into it and then stuck with this machine like an alien or something where it just it sits there i can't get boards you know i got a a dead piece of wood right um, you know it's something i I don't want to do stern's been around long enough you know i mean that could happen like i said to anybody but you know they've been around long enough they a little more trust chicago gaming i would i trust them pretty you know they're pretty damn good and um, like I said, they're, they're what we call a traditional manufacturer. You know, they're not somebody out of a garage or something. So you right. know, I, I, that's a little more street cred for us, a little more respect, a little more trust. So, Do you think like, when, you know, when you're at these shows and there, there's all these new arcade games, there's all these other like, uh, 
you know, coin ops that are really oh, designed. Cool stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of amazing stuff. Do you, do you kind of feel bad when you see like Jack in the Corner trying to make pinball like exciting? But yeah, next I to that, felt bad for him. You know, I know he's. It seems like they're struggling a little, and uh, he has a great product. It's just it's out of my price range. You know, I mean, for they if they could get Dave and Buster's to buy him, I think they'd have better luck. How many um, Dave and Buster's are there? When you get a, I want to say there's probably at least a couple hundred to two hundred to five hundred range. I think there's a lot. Um, right. And, so and, I, mean, I mean, they but they make a lot of money. So yeah, I don't. In Wisconsin, we have two. So but when you go uh, into a Dave and Buster's, though, there's like almost nothing in there that can kind of break. <laughs> you well, know, no, it's there's like... a, no, there's break. Those stuff breaks. They have. Uh, but guys, but I mean, it's mostly such... coin. It's mostly arcade, right? And like, there's some stuff. But for the most part, you know, I'm 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 reading this thread, and I'm reading the the Pirates of the Caribbean thread, and I'm seeing like out of the box, there's like major issues that would keep an operator from turning the game on. Yeah, the pinball machines are a little too complex. I mean, you know, at Dave and Buster's, they do have skee ball machines and a lot of mechanical action games uh, that are redemption pieces. They have moving parts, you know, balls, screens, all that stuff can break. Um, and they have a lot more of them, you know, and it takes a lot more of a beating than so. But as a pinball, like a, like a Jersey Jack game has way too much stuff, you know, for me to even, you know, as long as it's built good enough and it keeps going, that's fine. Um, but I've, you know, I was at the Disney parks over the weekend here and they had five, uh, all the, all the Stern games that had Disney licenses, Pirates of the Caribbean, Tron, all of them, none of them worked, not a single one, <laughs> except right. for the Star Wars, the Star Wars, they, 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 it sort of worked, right. but it was very sad. So. Yeah. I've, I've always said that pinball on location for the most part, unless <laughs> it's in a pinball bar where the owner is meticulous at maintaining the machines, it's just not a very good experience. No, it really... It, if you have a poor operator and the one that must be running, the ones at the Disney parks must be poor because it's like all the GI was out on all the games except for the one that was LED, which was the Star Wars. Right. All, of, all the general illumination lights were out. And that's just sloppy. You know, where, you know flippers don't work. Stuff like that. It's just... It's pretty, and they have a lot of play, right? But still, it's it's kind of sloppy operations. Right. And, uh, what was the coolest thing you saw at the show? Out, even you know, even outside of pinball, uh, had to do with a lot of the VR uh, interactive water slides and stuff. <laughs> like, um, as for video games go, I saw the new Halo. It was pretty cool. They have a new. Uh, um, super bikes racing game, you know. I mean, and I can get one of those racing games, you know, for less than that Beatles. So, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like apples to apples now. Not really. It's right. It's not even close. So, so maybe, but maybe you know, as we're talking, Sean, and you, you, we talk about for operators having something that is simple, easy to maintain, that will attract people. You know, maybe Stern is on to something with the Beatles because it is a game that's very unintimidating to operate. I guess the no, question yeah. is, is the theme relevant enough no. to draw <laughs> new people in? I don't think so. Maybe it is. I'm not, like I said, I'm not a Beatles fan. And um, there's a lot of Beatles fans, though. So you put the same Be thing with, you, put Beatles you guys were next ripping on Oktoberfest, huh? <laughs> you put Beatles next to Halo and you let the kids run in. 
yeah, but I mean, the gamers, you know, gamers are a different crowd too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's Apple. It, I don't know. I if you get the right location, if you had a fifties dive, like a fifties themed diner, sixties, you know, something like that, that's retro. You know, right. it might do well. You know, it's just the same old thing. It's what were right you saying? Place. What were you saying about Oktoberfest? Well, you guys, uh, I know you and Ben ripped on Oktoberfest a lot. <laughs> I know you're going off about how it, you know, it's only one day, the, or one month of the year, or something like that. But, um, beer sells. You got to remember, beer sells every day of the year. You know, so <laughs> I, I don't think they. I don't think they did the proper amount of. They just didn't do it right. You know, I think it's not really the theme. It's more of the execution. So that's yeah. All. But I mean, look, it's like saying people get gifts all year round, but Christmas. Man, that thing's in December. Like St. Pat, it's like calling. Yeah, it. but if you make it corny enough and about beer, beer is funny. It, it just wasn't funny enough. And then the artwork was. Why is beer, I, you guys pointed out the artwork. And I, and why is yeah, beer funny? Well, I mean, you get <laughs> drunk, you get funny. You get you can make you put some jokes I, in there. If you made it like a Bally Williams game right. or something, where they they had some dirty jokes in there and stuff, you know. But it's not that but, though. It's not dirty. I mean, I guess they, I know, so they might have an R-rated version. <laughs> But even then, it's like, okay, so let's say they wanted to market this game, put your best foot forward, and they're going to Pinball Expo, which is all older white guys telling dirty jokes for like three, four days. You bring mm-hmm. your dirty joke, joke version of the game to get them excited. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, it wasn't – it's not that bad of an idea. I just don't think it was done right. I mean, you don't have to do super offensive jokes. You just have to make it funny. You know, I don't think it was funny. And it's just not, yeah, it's just, and the art was not good. <laughs> People, you guys pointed out all the flaws, and it's like, now I can't unsee them, so. Well, they're going back to the drawing board. I know that they're working on it. Boss is working yeah. on shots. I know they've, I, I know, um, sorry to interrupt. I know Todd Tucky did point out, uh, he made a point that it, it will sell overseas very well in a few countries. I can't remember which ones, but they, they, but Germany's, <laughs> smart guy. Germany's all in on October 5th. I don't know. I mean, how many do they got to sell to make a profit though? Really? I don't know. <laughs> look, I, more than the orders. are. Well, coming. you have all these, you have all these like Halloween theme games, like monsters and, you know, monster bash. And you could look at that like as an October only kind of game too, really. Um, yeah, but I do think that like Elvira, Monster Bash, um, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, the Munsters. Yes and no, though. Like the Munsters was a TV show. It's like saying Batman is spooky. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> some of these things are like just evergreen kind of fun properties. Maybe they, yeah, maybe you know, right. maybe so, they should have done Octoberfest. I don't know. Well, you know, look. <laughs> yeah, I I think there are much better themes out there that would have yeah. made more people jump in. And it, But I think the problem of that game is more than just one thing. It, it's a culmination of like everything just feels like halfway there compared to where we are. That's the thing. It's like you can't launch a game in 2018 with certain elements of that game being really inferior to what your competition is doing. So you got to have stellar art. You've got to have stellar animation. You've got to have a stellar theme. You've got to have stellar gameplay. Now, you, if you were to say which one of those things can fall by the wayside, I would argue that the easiest thing to get wrong is the gameplay if you actually have like all the rest in place. Because I think Stern has built an empire 
on theme, art, and, you know, display now where, like, the actual design of the games is very, very, like, more pedestrian than, you know, even old Stern games used to be. Yeah, I know. They've really got it very simplified. It's all about the art and presentation now. But um, can you blame them? Like, I don't even blame no, them. I, no, no I can't. It sells. I, I really can't. No, and it does, and people buy it, so they, they yeah. know what they're doing. How, and, uh, you know, I, I literally, I literally could not walk into George Gomez's office and say, you're fucking this whole thing up, George. <laughs> like, no, when he's like, really. Chris, people are buying this shit without even saying it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got something going. I, I do feel like, I know I'm not the only operator that feels this way, that they, it feels like they've kind of left us behind, and that's the way it's gone that's fine but we we feel a little bit like we've like they don't give a crap about us anymore you stern? know and yeah stern and oh Why the other is that? because like again like what are your what's your criteria for a pinball manufacturer that could show an operator they care well I, it just it's just the way they they target the themes the way um well it was with removing the service rails they did put those back after we did bitch a lot but it's just they definitely we we can tell the focus has shifted i don't know how we it's just it just feels like it they don't yeah, i mean it mirrors yeah. and it has the and home collector All right and that's but, fine. I, but for five thousand dollars you can go put a a ghostbusters a star wars a deadpool mm -hmm. a batman you know an iron maid you can put all these amazing themes or you could put, you know, Oktoberfest. Or you well, yeah, put... no, I'm not saying Oktoberfest is great. I'm just saying that the, it could have been better. I, I, I didn't, I'd like it for the record, I didn't like Houdini. I didn't like it. I didn't like the art. I didn't like the layout. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like the animation, nothing about it. So, Sean, does, um, does anyone, do you think anyone is catering to the operator at this stage or is it just i think like... i think jack was really trying to in the beginning and i think he still sort of is he, he has the pendemption thing which was a good attempt and he was trying to sell that to david busters i'm pretty sure and if they would have bought it that would have been great but the problem is and it's always been with pinball manufacturers and trying to make redemption games they don't understand how there's a, there's a certain amount of skill and knowledge that goes into making redemption games what makes them fun versus a pinball machine and that they really don't mash. You can't just instantly turn a pinball game into a redemption game. Um, it's because people are driven by different things. They don't want to stand there and play that long. There's all kinds of different variables that go into it. But long story short is that they've all these companies have tried to make redemption games in the past. Williams has, Stern has, and Jersey Jack did a little bit. Um, and they, they've all failed. And it's just because they, they really... The pinball guys and the, the rest of the, the – everyone lives in their little bubbles, right? So if you don't really get out and look at the rest of the, the industry enough, you don't, right. you, don't, you don't see things clearly. And, um, I mean, to me, a pinball machine as a redemption machine sounds so idiotic. I'll explain why. Like when you go to like the right. Dave & Buster's or carnivals or boardwalks with your friends, you love doing stuff like the skee-ball or the pop-a-shot basketball where like you're actually playing something social with your friends and you're seeing who can get the most tickets to come out. Who the fuck wants to sit there and watch someone try to get the wizard mode to get a lot of tickets in Wizard of Oz? It just it, it takes too long. Yeah. The games just take too long. But it's not it even have to social be like... to watch someone play pinball. 
No, it's not. It's not a game that really belongs in the environment. That's why they're not there. And that's why Dave and Busters is smart enough to know not to put them there. They used to have, like I said, Dave and Busters used to have more of the traditional bar stuff at the locations like billiards tables and darts and stuff. And they've really kind of gotten rid of most of that in most locations and just focused on the core gambling stuff, you know, and, um, it's what works and it, it's right. unfortunate and that they just, and they really should, in my opinion, it's just my opinion. They should have at least some of the traditional machines, right. you know, like a, like a billiards table and at least one dartboard right. dart area for, you know, and a pinball machine. What you just want, I mean, you don't have to have a whole row, but you can have one for the guy who's like, I don't want to play this crap. But at least I'll play this. You know, right. I don't, I don't see the, just narrowing the field so much. So uh, if, if I'm, if I'm the president of Dave and Busters and I say, Sean, you pick me the one game I should put into all my locations. What pinball machine, out of any pinball machine of all time, would you put in my establishments? Hmm. That's a tough question. Um, well, we'd want something that wouldn't break, right? We want something that's instantly recognizable and not too difficult. So I would actually go with, since pinball is kind of retro anyway, I would go with some of the classic Bally Williams stuff from either. Uh, Chicago gaming, you know, I probably like an attack from Mars or something and some of maybe possibly some of the stern stuff that's, you know, it, I would just do it more as retro though. I think we would just cater to those people who are looking for what they had, you know, when they right. were younger. So it's funny you say that. Cause I think you go, you can go in that direction. We want to give like the pinhead, the game that they, you know, put in their top five or you could go like Iron Man, which is like, a theme that all the young, you know, younger people know. It's easy pin to understand. It's like not a lot of stuff to break. Be curious. This, is, to see this if might you put... blow your mind. This might blow your mind. I, I think. Um, I think that the the best company that has a shot of getting something into Dave and Buster's is probably Jerry at P3 because it's so weird and so new that it looks so different that they might have a shot of getting it in there. Right. You know. At, but it's a little too complicated, I think. I think they need to make a simple... They have a few simple games, but then they're not very good. No, but know, I... So. But, like... But, see, the one system where I think redemption would work is Jerry's, like, game where yeah, you battle each shot. other. Like, yeah. head-to-head. Yeah, he has the best shot. Because that I works. Think. I mean, it's... it Actually, that game's a lot of fun. The only thing is, you need two of them to connect... And that's twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, but for Dave <laughs> so it's, like, it's like nothing, though. I'm just telling you, you know, uh, they spent thirty, what, twenty five thousand on those uh, those double Halo units. You know, one hundred and fifty thousand on that Jurassic Park ride. So one hundred and fifty grand, something like that. It was between one hundred and one hundred and fifty grand. Own a that. fucking dinosaur for cheaper. Unbelievable. Well, it's a, it's an updatable system, so they're going to build. It's a fun ride. I'm just telling you, it's a VR. You know. But they they can update the software to different themes. So right, and how much is it to ride that that damn thing? Like ten bucks, fifteen bucks, five bucks. Okay, per person. I think it sits eight at a time. Oh, there was okay. when I was there, there was a line. So you right, know. well, it was good. It wasn't half bad. It's not. It's it's a. It wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't half bad. It was four D experience. I think it right. had wind and everything. So. Well, Sean, I want to thank you for coming on. Mm -hmm. Um, I just I do. really. Yep. Okay. Go on. There was one more thing I, I think pinball could do that would probably help if they want to get in the operating realm, and that would be, um, do you remember uh, the older games like NBA Jam? And, um, yes. Do you, they had that system where you could log into it. 
right? Neo if you Geo. know the big buck hunters, they yep. have the card system and they yep. keep, they track all your stats. And I, I really think that pinball needs something like that. I think Stern can introduce something like that where you either buy the card or the QR, you know, scan it with your phone and it will track all of your stats and you can earn achievements. You ever play, um, you, you, you follow Japanese stuff a lot, right? Obviously, yep. Canada. You, you know, in the Japanese arcades, they have uh, Initial D and yep, Maximum yep. Tune and all that stuff, and it tracks all your stats, your battles, and all that stuff, and you get it ranks and achievements. I think they could introduce something like that, and I think pinball people would love it, honestly. It would track, it would track all of your tilts, all your first game yeah, wins. The, well, the challenge always becomes is the consistency of the setup of the games you play because you're like right. everyone's experience is different depending on how the game is set up where yeah, that no. doesn't affect neo geo or you know you know all the arcade games because it's all the same game like there's no way to be like oh in my game you know you had the you had like the outposts all the way up and someone else had them down and the angle on this game you know that's the only challenge with pinball yeah i suppose you're right it's like yeah. every donkey kong machine plays the same all across the world yeah you get some jerk that would cheat right that was me i take the glass off i'll beat people all night long i'll be like hey what are you talking about guys i'm in 18 wizard modes in one night just another night for Canada <laughs> playing pinball yeah it would be cool if you got something like that that would track your information and you could get achievements and medals and all that stuff and it would keep your name and you would scan it in and uh but here's, put your here's, name up and everything you here's know, my right? whole thing it's like pinball's so far behind well that's you know i was just talking about this with someone tonight it's like it's so far behind it's like we look at animation on a screen now and pinball we're like wow beatles looks great and i'm like this is like shit from like the mid 90s this animation like yeah. nothing is like current, um, but we're so impressed because we basically had what was ostensibly a TI-82 calculator graphics all throughout <laughs> the 90s with DMDs. Like it's like it's, yeah, it's amazing it's how low our expectations are, and yet the price of them is so high that anything yeah. sh anything blows this away like oh my god you got a decent artist this is the greatest thing ever now take my money 10 grand here you go <laughs> like there's no good well, artists in the world the the new halo game you can you can get a card and go to the arcade and play it and get achievements there and then it reflects on your xbox live account you yeah, know but, but, and, but, but halo is a billion dollar franchise i know but it's still is pinball is so far behind in like the arcade world you know but, all this stuff i was talking about tracking stats is like from the 90s you know i mean because it's but you're right it's still an old thing pinball and as long as stern pinball can sell games out without people even seeing it there is no need for them to do any of this innovation and you know what i don't think they're wrong i don't think no. you even need to do this innovation i think they're just going to keep doing what they're doing and you know the only thing that will take Stern down is a better better pinball experience, not yeah. like more whiz bang gadgetry around pinball. So we'll see. Well, at the very least, we could have you know internet connected machines oh, and the novel... ability to organize tournaments. I mean, dart machines have had this for what a novel concept. Ten years, right? <laughs> an electronic device connected to something called the internet. Yeah, no, it's just. I mean, I love Stern, and this it's all good, but. I have dart machines from 10 years ago that even 20 years ago now that connect to the internet to, to take league scores and stuff like that. Right. To the but, certain, again, you know, I mean, but again, without any of that in there, right, Sean? Take yeah. my money now. Take my money now. Take <laughs> well, my money that's, now. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's, you know, 
That's the way it is. You think Stern no... wants to have to deal with like creating servers and then creating no, like a whole like online infrastructure? No. I heard they were going to do all. They were going to do some internet stuff, you know. But I, I guess there's no motivation to do it, so I don't blame them, you know. I mean, they'll get they'll get to it, but again, I mean, it's 2018, and we're talking about like connecting to the internet for pinball. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Hey, we're up to USB drives now. Yeah, so. no, man, no, amazing. <laughs> Which you still don't. I love it. USB drives. I still have to like take. I have to take the the key out of the lockbox. I have to get into the. Yeah, you know, flip down the speaker grill. I have to take out the translate. I have to like, like literally, they couldn't just put the USB plug somewhere easier <laughs> you know, so. in fairness just for fairness the a lot of the arcade software from raw thrills and stuff is even worse to upgrade right <laughs> um like sega gave away the whole daytona game on accident well, that was they <laughs> so you have to get a whole new uh key and stuff from them it's even more pain in the butt so i don't just i just don't upgrade them it's easier <laughs> right but they're well, getting Sean, right away, though. Here, here's, so. here's the thing. I'm glad you're down there. I love the report you gave us from IAPA. Enjoy the warm weather. It's cold and dark here in New York. Um, let's get you back on the show soon. But I, I sure. think everyone appreciates one of the first-hand accounts of Beatles pinball. And, and I also think, you know, coming from an operator's point of view, I always think that, uh, you know, you, you guys have a different take on what appeals to you in pinball. But I also think... You also are the people that expand pinball to the masses because, let's be honest, pinball is not expanding because, uh, you know, a bunch of rich dudes throw them in their basement. No, yeah, and it's – I want to – we try to have it around at least so kids can experience it that have never seen it before. And they're, maybe maybe they're, it is. They don't have a rich uncle. You right. Know, Actually, so. more that, but maybe it is. Maybe a bunch of other rich guy friends come over and say, hey, I want what this guy has. And who knows? Who knows? I think it, it's all a guessing game. All I know is – um, I think Stern is doing just enough to sell tons of pinball, and they know that. And I don't think there's a lot of innovation no. that they need to do to, to get more sales. They have, they have some really good themes, though. I mean, we can't, we can't knock them. They have good presentation, good art. And everything, absolutely, so. absolutely. Well, Sean, thank you. I appreciate your time, no and we'll talk real soon. Thanks, Kenny. See you later. All right, Bye. later, man.